Welcome to Chaos Divided, your weekly dose of Wholesome Hammer, where we explore the hobby, the game, and the lore of Warhammer 40k. We're your hosts, Nurgle Snurgle and Blushing Noise Marine. This week, we're joined by our special guest, Jarrett, the Blood God himself. We'll be chatting about the Traitor Primarchs, their stories, their lore, and everything else. We've done a part one, now we're on to part two. Would you like to start us off with a quote? I would love to. Death to the false emperor. Amen. <laughs> and who is this from? <laughs> uttered by uttered by Sevatarian or Sevatar of the Night Lords, the first Chaos Space Ring to ever utter those words. Well, speaking of Night Lords, our first Primarch of tonight is Conrad Kurz. Looking forward to it. Oh, Conrad Kurz. So what do you guys want to start with on him first? You want to start at the beginning, the end, the middle, how crazy he was? There's so much about Conrad that I love. How crazy is Kurz? Like on a scale of like 1 to 888. He's up there. He's definitely up there. Uh... I think you need to start his story uh, after his parents are murdered in an alley by some uh, gangsters. Uh, That's Batman. That's (laughs) Batman. (laughs) Wrong guy. Very similar, but wrong guy. What I well, where I will start off is his birthplace. Um, Conrad Kurz was not birthed on the planet, but the planet that he landed on during that large scattering of all the Primarchs was Nostromo, and it was known as a dark world. There wasn't a lot of suns or sorry stars in the area, so it was almost pitch black the entire time, and it was run by gangs, mm-hmm. just gangs, um, brigands like all sorts of different types of bandits and they just ran the underhives and it was kind of like a survive minute by minute, day by day, hour by hour kind of place. You had to steal to survive, you had to kill to survive. And when he landed on that planet, that's where he got his values from. He saw people doing terrible things to their own fellow man. And in his mind, this is, this is wrong. This is terrible. There needs to be some form of justice Mm -hmm. so he would see the populace perform justice on those who they thought were you know bad kurz decided to initiate his own form of justice so one night when he saw someone attacking another person in alley he leapt out of the shadows and tore them apart limb from limb he did this night after night and just leaving you you ever you ever see a alien versus predator i haven't no so the predator he would always attack people and string them up with their bodies flayed or heads off just on display. Kurz did the same thing. Oh, okay. He made an example of those who broke the law. And he worked his way up to the point where he actually got a nickname on the planet called the Night Haunter. That's mm. what he was known as. And Did he conquer the planet? He actually did. Oh. He worked his way up to the high society and he basically appeared one day in one of the reports saying, I am the Night Haunter and I'm going to take over. I'm Batman. I am. Uh, I'm Batman. <laughs> the, the scary thing about Kurz with his law was that it didn't matter what you did. Punishment was the exact same. If you Eye take, for an eye. Not Even just, if you go blind. Not just even eye for an eye. If you jaywalked, stole something, murdered somebody, or broke the law, death. He would go into the night, hunt that person down. How is there a populace on this planet? He used fear as a weapon. He mm. That's where the Night Lords, their whole shtick is, is fear and terror. Did it work? It did. Kurz actually learned through his way of conquering the planet that if you put fear into the populace, they will do as you wish. They will not turn your back. They'll be terrified of you and follow your, your rule. A lot of his brothers had a differing opinion of this, that they could do it in other ways, but he was like, no, that's how it is. It's how my planet was ran. That's what I did. It makes sense. Him and Dorne actually had a really big back and forth, and there was a moment where Dorne, in one of their wars, challenged Kurz and said, there is a better way of doing this. He goes, no, there's not, and I'll prove it to you. He grabs a prisoner of war, hands him a gun, and says, shoot me. The guy's just shaking. He's like, you won't? None of you are to lay a hand on this man at all. There you go. Shoot me. The man's still terrified. Kurz goes, well, then perhaps I'll do this. And he turns his back to the man. And that's when the man 
gets his grip, raises the rifle, and shoots Kurz. It bounces off his armor, he turns around and rips the man's head off and looks at his brother with the guy's head in his hand going, you see, as soon as you turn your back from them, they will stab you the first chance they get. Fear is the only way to rule over these people. Slams the head down and him and Dorn actually get into a fist fight. <laughs> Fisticuffs. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, did, did his brothers fear him, or were they immune to that? No, it wasn't that, it wasn't that they feared him. They were just, they kind of stayed away from Kurz. You're like, Kurs, oh, he's the weird I one. Think, yeah, he was, he's creepy. Like, yeah. I don't think he got invited to the, like, Primark parties. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No. He's the guy that shows up in a trench coat and is just like, His, Ew. his <laughs> legion was wearing skin and skulls on their armor long uh, before they went traitor. They don't even, like, their a skin armor. coat. Yeah, they, they make skin coats. They literally make skin coats. One of my favorite... I'll, I'll get to my favorite story about the Night Lords and the reason why I started playing their army, specifically for one really cool battle. Yes, tell me what goes on inside your mind. Oh, God, they're so cool. <laughs> well, it's just like... This is the thing. Out of all the out of all the legions, the Night Lords are probably the worst. Kurs and the Night Lords are the worst people you could ever think of. Like, oh, so when they say there are no good guys in 40k, you would say, well, the Night Lords are the worst. They are. They very much are. Oh. Like, in all honesty, the way they think and what they do, the Night Lords were the Emperor's children of 40k before the Emperor's children became the Emperor's children of 40k. That makes sense, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like... Okay, so the story of how they became one of my particular yes, favorite legions. Yes. So they come to a world and they attack the world. This is during 30K, and they're issued to order compliance on this planet. They arrive, all the ships raise out of the oceans and all of their different uh, platforms they have floating around the planet to fight them, and they blow up two of the Night Lord ships. Yay, we won, we did look, they're running away. The Night Lords start to leave. They didn't see a small pod leave the ship. So the planet has this massive celebration and a huge parade through the entire square of the main city of the planet. And here's our flagship, the one that shot that ship down. Bray, yes, wonderful. Look how beautiful it is. Why are the pod bay doors opening? And the flayed crew was being thrown down onto the populace by the night lords that got onto their ship. Those like raining bodies that they were cheering for. Yep. Well, no, they, they didn't realize it until the body started to hit the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's raining, like, and then... The Night Lords, it, they didn't even say a word. The entire sector gave up and submitted to the Emperor, and they didn't set foot on the planet. Oh, There's I no see. Legion that's ever done that. They didn't even set foot on the planet. They used fear wow. and terror to terrify an entire sector to give up and just bow to the Emperor. And you, And then you were like... Bravo! <laughs> when people turned against the Emperor, there was three legions that were sent. Horus, well, was it? No, not Horus, it was... Perturaba was sent to deal with them. Alpharis was sent to deal with them. But number one, if they were straight up just, we're turning traitor against the Imperium, the Night Lords were sent in. And just them being sent in was enough for people to be like, okay, 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 we give, we give, we'll, 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 we'll do what you want. We'll, we'll, we give up. Please don't send the Night Lords. Please don't. Please don't do that. Wow. They're terrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. And Kurz is, he's a piece of work. Um, <laughs> as we all know, every Primarch has some form of strange ability. Mm -hmm. Kurz's ability is very much like Sanguinius, but it's the opposite side of the coin. Actually, Sanguinius was the only Primarch that Kurz actually That he can see his death? No, yeah, they both saw their death. But Kurz was more of like the negative light where... Um, Sanguinius was, was the, the positive, positive way. Okay. Yeah, he always knew that I'm going to reach this point and this will be my path. Where Kurz is walking down the path of like, F you, Dad, I'm going to do exactly what the future says and there's nothing you can say or do that's going to change it. I'm going to die by your assassin's hand. You're going to kill me. That's what's going to happen. Mm. Which... It was an emperor's assassin that killed yeah. Conrad Kurz. Spoilers, him... by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Conrad Kurz was killed by the assassin Lushen uh, of the Kalexis. Kalexis? That's the female ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Kalexis assassins. And he told all of his men to stand down. She got into the sanctum and he sat in his throne, laughed, and with great glee said, I knew it. Exactly what I said was going to happen. 
he was more about vindication than he actually was about, you know, he, he was proving a point. So was the Emperor more afraid of Kurz? And that's he, why you had him killed? No, no, he wasn't more afraid of him, but he, Kurz could see the future and he would tell his dad, like, this is what's going to happen. And his dad tried to help him throughout the heresy a couple times, but he just shunned away from the Emperor and shunned away from his brothers and Sangonius was the only one he could confide in because they both had that curse. They could both see the future of their deaths and see the future. Mm-hmm. So nice. up thing for, the messed up thing for Kurz was that he could see both, but more often he saw the path of darkness than the path of light. Yeah. And Did he die after or before Sanguinius? Uh, after Sanguinius. He died after the Harris. So after he saw Sanguinius die, he knew his time was coming. No, he didn't see Sanguinius die because his group, his warriors actually fled the planet while being uh, mm-hmm. the traitors were not, being see, not meaning that he saw the death but like he knew that Sanguinius was gonna die right he knew that Sanguinius was gonna die so yes. the moment that he knew of death he it was just a matter of time until Conrad was gonna meet the same fate no, I, I don't think he was really too concerned about it he, oh, okay. Conrad was more concerned about destroying the Imperium and like getting vengeance for what they did to like their father lied so he looked at the Imperium as a joke and he wanted to make it how do I put that he wanted to make the Emperor pay for the lies that he spoke and he was completely against everything he was even he wanted against, justice yeah he wanted justice and he looked at the Emperor as just a tyrant he looked at Horus as a tyrant he actually didn't even really follow Horus at all or do any bidding he kind of just did whatever he wanted he told his boys, we're, as Night Lords, we're going to go into the galaxy and cause as much mayhem as possible because that's what we do and that's what we like. So what did the Legion do after Kurz was killed? They fractured. Oh. There's a bunch of different warbands out there that are all like vying for power, but as it stands, they're one of the weakest ones, unfortunately, because of how... Like, they're lost. Like they're, they're, They just don't have a... Yeah, they're kind of, they're kind of just like traveling around and raiding and grabbing whatever they can to survive. I'm actually listening to the novel uh, The Soul Hunter series with uh, Talos and First Claw, and it's it makes you actually feel for them. I never thought I would feel for the worst people in Warhammer 40k, but <laughs> I'm actually rooting for them in this entire book. How was he killed? Who, Kurz? Yeah. He let he told his people, to, he told the Night Lords to stand down, because he knew exactly when Mushen was coming. She got into his throne room with no resistance whatsoever. He sat in his throne, monologued for a second, and then leaped at her and let her kill him. Like decapitation or that I don't know how he actually died, died. Like what the So oh, is he dead? He's wink dead. wink. He's oh. on, he's <laughs> no, he's like He dead. I feel like Confirm. you're uh... You're, you're glossing over a lot of the really messed up things he did, like destroying his own planet and... Yeah, there's um, that. There's that. Because uh, yeah, going back to what you said about, you know, turning your back when uh, when the Night Lords leave Nostromo. Exactly um, what Nostromo did. They revert back and then he comes back and he's not very happy about it and he just, like, declares did judgment on the entire planet and, like, just yep. nopes them. Yep, just <laughs> no, entirely. He just goes, okay, beep, delete. Yeah. Why? They right failed there. his test. That's why. They failed my test. I left. I approved my point. It proves my point entirely. I am vindicated. His whole thing was vindication. Mm-hmm. He was always like, I'm right. And everyone else is freaking wrong. Well, and that leads very much into um, him and Vulcan's storyline. Mm. That's actually the one thing I don't know. I, the only thing I don't know about Kurz is the story is like the Vulcan and Kurz thing going down. It's the only thing I don't know about him. He captures Vulcan and Vulcan's kind of power from the Emperor is his uh, ability to uh, resurrect himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, so Vulcan is eternal. Mm-hmm. And Vulcan is kind of the opposite of Kurz where Vulcan believes in like hope and humanity and like the ability for you know humans to like strive for better and that like caring about humanity matters so Kurz captures him locks him in a maze and hunts him down and murders him every day for years in the middle of the heresy how many times has Vulcan been killed now that you you learn hundreds if not thousands 
Oh my god. I never read the book where that happens, but I do know what happens afterwards, after that whole thing went down. And what was this proving for Conrad? Like, he just wanted He wanted to drive Vulcan to madness, because Vulcan wouldn't agree with him. It's the same, it's a similar situation to, like, Fulgrim and, like, the clones of Ferris Manus. He wanted, Kurz wanted Vulcan to break, and he, like, he eventually breaks Vulcan. Because like Not every only time he wanted, but he definitely broke him. Yes, he like he he broke his toys. I don't know if he got what he wanted out of them, but mm. um, yeah, Vulcan eventually like all of the resurrection like messes with his head, and he basically goes crazy. See, I, I knew he was in the maze, but I didn't know Kurz was the one trapped, like killing him in the maze. I yeah, thought the, that the maze all- is in like the Night Lord's flagship. I thought that was a whole separate thing because I know Perturabo built the maze, but I thought it was like Curse tortured him and then he was put into a maze and then that whole thing. No, happened. the torture so that... was like I'm pretty sure Whoa, the, the torture okay. was like Curse hunting him. No. <laughs> like it was basically like Curse was the Minotaur in the maze kind of thing. So he would yeah, go Vulcan. in there and Oh Vulcan yeah. got kicked in the teeth quite a bit during the whole Horus Heresy. Like a lot. Because it's like Is Isfan is where <laughs> Kurs captures him. Yeah. So it's like he gets separated from his like legion, thinks they're all dead, and that because that's what Kurs tells much him. Are. The vault, yeah. Um, salamanders get real roughed up in Istvan, wow. and then like Kurs yeah. just kills him repeatedly for years until he finally figures a way through the maze and escapes. Yeah, because I remember that he grabs his hammer and the Kurs. No, Perturabo didn't know that the hammer had a teleport homer inside of it. Yeah. And they want to make TV shows on this. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it, it's, yeah. I don't yes. know how to, I, It'd be great. You know I love it. You need a streaming service that is a little more, uh, is not network television, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, you need something a little better. Oh, boy. Um, but yeah, no, so Kurz is like, because all the, the traitors and the, the loyalists kind of have like their nemesis, mm. and Kurz is, is, is Vulcan. Um, I, I don't know, like, he was the lion's nemesis for a bit there when he was on his ship. <laughs> Remember that? Uh, Kurz probably has a few, because he's just like so weird. Yeah, yeah he just, everyone just hates him. No, but it's like like Magnus and Lehman Ross, Lorgar and Guillemont. Yeah, they're like they all kind of have their counterpoint. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like, yeah, like Horus and Sanguinius are kind of like paired off together. Um, yeah, Fulgrim and Ferris, Angron and Lorgar. Trying to think, yeah, who would Angrons be? I feel like Angrons would be Reboot. But then yeah. again, he had he had issues with the, with uh, Lehman. He had issues with Lehman Ross too. Yeah, but Magnus and, Magnus and Lehman are like... Yeah, I think it was just like the really broken uh, Traitor Primarchs just didn't have a counterpart because they were so... Like, Kurz and Angron were so separated from their brothers entirely that they just... Mm. Yeah, they didn't... I don't even think they really had much of a counterpart. But I I do love the whole idea of Kurz playing... Uh, playing Among Us, basically, on the uh, <laughs> the Dark Angel ship all the way to hell. <laughs> that was great. I'm trying to think, yeah, I feel like the, I mean, the Dark Angel, I feel like the Dark Angels are actually, um, the Alpha Legion is their counterpoint. Because they mm. both kind of have that, like, internal thing going, mm-hmm. secret thing going on. Yeah, very yeah. secretive. Like, I feel like it's like, um, and I think it talks about it in one of the books. That, like, Alpharius and, um, Lion, like kind of like have this like grudging respect, but then don't really like each other because they like they mm-hmm. both know what the other. They're, they're, they're like, like I I'm you. the only sneaky one. Yeah, we both yeah. have secrets, <laughs> and I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. like it's like like you know like um like Alfarius definitely has like the Batman like file folder of like all of their weaknesses, and he like definitely doesn't have one on Lionel Johnson. It's just like I don't like, and then like Lionel Johnson is like I don't have one on Alfarius, like. <laughs> Who's this guy that keeps following you around? That looks just yeah. like you. Don't don't mind him. He's just a guy. <laughs> they're both just like keep your secrets. They're just both side eyeing each other the entire time they're in a room together, just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Back on Kurz, like out of all of them, he's probably one of the more messed up ones that didn't go dark side uh, demon Primarch. 
Well, he, he didn't like, have a yeah. chance to. But he like he starts messed up. Oh he's yeah. Like, like hers is kind of the like like when they're all like not traitors and kind of looking around, and be like, are we doing the right thing? Like hers is kind of the like maybe the emperor is valuable. Yeah, like, maybe he's not exactly you know all knowing. Yeah, like I feel like what kind of demon. The, like, what kind of demon Primarch do you think he would be? He wouldn't be. Oh, you don't think he would ever take on a demon? The Night Lords do not actually get along well with demons. They're like the most, like, them and the Alpha Legion are, like, actually fairly, like, and oh, the yeah, Iron, Warriors. Iron Warriors too, yeah. So yeah. they're, like, in their own, like, realm of chaos. Yeah, you could say they're more like, whereas the other, the other traders are, like, full-on in the warp chaos, they're more like raiders out in the galaxy not inside the war the eye of terror trying to survive now the iron warriors they are they're all over the place but the night lords specifically they don't approve of demon possession they don't approve of like working with the chaos gods because they realize like no you're just working for a master mm -hmm. you, you, even in the book that i'm listening to now like the chaos gods are trying to tempt them all the time and some of them fail but some are like, I am not going to be someone's puppet. I am my own man. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and no one's going to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, he even stands up to Abaddon and basically just goes, F you, buddy. <laughs> and what I want to do is flay people. <laughs> yep. Yep, I want to flay their skin, stretch it on my armor, and I want to take their skulls and hang it from here. You know what? I'm going to even take their femurs and other rib cages and hang them off my armor as decorations. That's that's the cool thing to do. I think you that's a perfect segue into the next part. Yeah, on I, I just want to, uh, before we, we leave Night Lords, because I feel like we have definitely given them uh, their, their uh, just time, um, but can we just talk about how rough a job GW has done on their, like, models and, like, some of the supplementary stuff? Like, I feel like, like with the bat wings or and the helms and everything. I feel like Night Lords have been done so dirty from like a modeling perspective by GW. Yeah, like, I feel have. like of any of them, like the aesthetic just like has never come through. And I, I feel bad for like if you're a hardcore Actually, Night Lords I player. Think, uh, I don't think Nurgle Snurgle has ever seen like the more like the 40, the 30K models or some of the other stuff that's out there. Um, I think she's only ever seen those really, I know the ones you're talking about, those really weird, awfully strange yeah. shaped helmets that GW has with the weird gigantic bat wings on. I've them. seen that, yeah. A lot of the really good artwork, they have these tiny little furled bat wings here, or even just a painted skull on their helm. Mm, mm -hmm. And you know what that is? It, the, GW made them cartoony. Well, yeah. that's the thing is like the artwork that's been out for Night Lords is like good. But like, like, yeah. but there's also like, there's flayed ones for Necrons. Mm -hmm. Like you, they, in the game, there is like precedent for models that have that like super fucked up. Mm -hmm. uh, this is gonna be. Yeah. Gonna have to censor this episode. Um, <laughs> We've all done it. But like, um, have like a spot-on aesthetic that the Night Lord should have, yeah. and they've just mm -hmm. never gotten their due, and it's. It's no, a shame because, like, do you think they could have their own codex? I don't think they'd ever get their own codex. Well, they they haven't even done good with their rules over the past couple of editions. Because mm. through eighth and ninth edition, when you actually could play Night Lords, their only ability was minus tier leadership, and we mm -hmm. all know that morale didn't really matter. Yeah, it was harsh. Ninth edition, they were okay. They're actually pretty decent in ninth edition. <laughs> they were, yeah. There, there was enough like combos with morale that it was workable. Mm. Um, but they were definitely the main one was, like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And they were just, they were definitely like a weaker one. And you almost had to like, in order to get some of those combos, you had to play them. Not like you would play night Lords. Yeah. You would kind of soup them with Slanesh to get the additional yeah. leadership. Yeah. Uh, minuses. Yeah. To take out like as much of those down as possible. Cause they would get plus one to wound if their leadership, if they were leadership was higher than yours. Mm. That was nice. That was actually pretty nice. Also, um, what do they call Warp Towns not running away from them? I love that. That's just, that's my butter. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Mm. Warp Towns are such a, a, I need to get some. They're a chef's kiss uh, beautiful one. unit and model, and they're just, they're beautiful. <laughs> anyway. I feel like I'm in the middle of you guys just like, mm, mm, yes. Mm. Mm, some Warp Towns. <laughs> <laughs> Blushing Noise Renumbered and Take a Wild Guess say you like Lightning Claws quite a bit. 
you know what? Only on warp talents. I oh, feel like that's where they like like I don't want them on my terminators. I want them on mm-hmm. like mass boys. Terminators. Nah, I like big. Pow- I want big like swingy this... power fists like Mega Man, just like boing. Like razors. What I want to see is terminators with dual chain fists. Just mm. yes. Oh. I mean, oh. that would be very like Iron Warriors. Anyways, yes, it would. we have to move on to yes. the, the lamest of the Primarchs. Sorry, spoilers for those that... <laughs> the word bearer. Sorry, everybody. Yep. Lorgar. And then next we have Magnus. <laughs> Oof. Oh. Oof. Where to start with Lorgar? Do I start with uh, the fact that he started the Horus Heresy, that he was the first one to fall, or that he regretted it halfway through and tried to commit suicide, then decided not to commit suicide, then tried to, like, there's so many things he did that just made no sense. So it should be the Lorgar Heresy? Not not even, I wouldn't even call it the Lorgar Heresy because he just was the puppet master to make things happen. But But he's he's not even the puppet master. It's like, he's like, um, Corferon and Erebus like are his puppet yeah. master and the, he oh, like, yeah. just like plays to the like chaos gods in like the lamest way. Well as a kid he was the he was the one Primarch that landed on a full on chaos worshipping planet like they were already in the thralls of the chaos like he would even talk about in his book seeing very specific marks along the city and that priests would wear that would give them strange feelings of like strength or happiness or you know making them feel smarter and more creative it was very very interesting like it was it was almost like um uh he grew up on a giant planet church mm. it was the massive church corferum was like the head cardinal of the entire world that that's terrifying yeah yeah and then yeah he just like never really wanted to give it up and then met nope. the emperor and was like oh is this a god is this the god yeah <laughs> well he had already foreseen the emperor coming like through visions and stuff because lorgar was already like very potently psychic before he even met the is emperor. that his power uh no his power is just like isn't he charismatic isn't that like he's his... very yeah he's even more charismatic oh, than lorgar like to a religious like standpoint like he could lorgar, be like yeah, a horse what do they call him? The guys that you see on TV, the pastors on TV. Oh yeah, like he, like he could be. He's like a preacher. Them. Yeah, well, and that's why like almost anybody. Yeah, like like more of like a zealot though. Like he like mm-hmm. can like whip people up into a fervor. Yeah, like so that's his... why they don't have chaos battle sisters for word bearers. Just how fanatic oh. they are. But word bearers are super like disorganized in 40k. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's it's just kind of like Lorgar has like his own little like realm of chaos that's like kind of his like slave mind slash church monastery yeah. thing. And, and he's just been inside that room meditating for how long? He hasn't even come out. Actually, there's a short story. I haven't read it, but I watched Ooh. a video about it recently. Um where uh, Corvus Corax shows up to this I just little round like two days ago, Ooh. and just like so, uh, Corax is maybe a maybe a demon prince, maybe not. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and is like if I'm from the Raven Guard. Yeah. Oh, he, he was described as a living shadow ripping apart the word bearers, and all Lorgar said was, "I know who you are." And like, but exactly was like, would like turn into like a flock of ravens and disappear, like doing oh, some very like, cool. um, yeah. There's some like mm-hmm. theories that he might be like, um, almost like a demon prince of order. Interesting. Yep. I'd like to see like, him like, like how like the damned are a little chaotic, but they work for. No, like, yeah, like a... basically, like, like what a demon prince is to the chaos gods, he yeah, is to like the emperor's like power of order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just we, like well, just like the people think about uh, what is it um, like Saint Celestine and the Legion of the Damned. They are all oh. they, people think like there's a, a wide uh, theory that they are kind of like the demons of the Emperor. It would be the exact same for Korax if he took on that energy within the warp and the Emperor is a god. Hell yeah, he'd come back as some kind of crazy like raven-looking demon prince of yeah. order and law. That'd oh god, amazing! But yeah, the word so bears is cool. kind of like hang out doing just like i don't know 
worshipping and powering the like chaos gods is kind of their job in like 40k so yeah. like they're not the most effective no they're all they're entirely about just appeasing the chaos gods and each one of them just wants to become a demon prince their main goal is like every every dark apostle <laughs> a army of wants princes. to be a demon prince so he can be immortal and never die again ever that was even Lorgar's thing at one point he was like I wanted I want to ascend to become powerful he had to watch each one of his brothers get a gift from the chaos gods of demonhood and he's like why am I not getting this why am I not becoming a demon prince? Because you're lame, Lorgar. Yeah. Does if he eventually become a demon prince? He eventually does after the Horus Heresy, like when everything's all said and done. But at one point in the Horus Heresy, he surmised to himself, like he just got inside his own head with his five o'clock shadow after three and a half weeks of sitting in a room by himself going, yeah, 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 you know what? If I go over and I kick Horus in the butt and knock him over, I'll be the next guy. I'll be the lead dude. And they'll make me a demon prince. Hell yeah. And then probably gets slapped around by Horus. Oh, he's one of those guys. Yeah. He, um... Yeah. He's like the annoying little brother of, like, the Primarchs. He's like, guys, can I play? Can I play? Can I play? Like, Dad's really cool. Like, Dad said that I can play with you guys. Guys, can can I come play? (laughs) And they're like, no. He goes, well, now I'm going to force you to let me play. (laughs) What Dad said. Guys, my Legion's the biggest. Uh, I have the biggest (laughs) Legion. Uh, Dad gave me the biggest Legion uh, after our other siblings, who we don't talk about anymore. Um, So, like, you know, I'm really, I'm cool too, guys. (laughs) <laughs> I love in the novel uh, Slaves of Darkness he makes the decision to go after Horus like I'm gonna usurp him and take over the Horus heresy he convinces one of his own men to bring Fulgrim over to his side by using Fulgrim's true name and taking control of Fulgrim and then he goes up on Horus way 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 Fulgrim Fulgrim, is not his real name? All of the Primarchs have a true name, and not a lot of people know them. And the Demon Primarchs can be controlled with those true names. Hmm. Like, what was it? Um, even Mortarian has a true name, but we'll talk about Mortarian later on. We're still on Lorgar. So he lands on the planet with his guys, and Fulgrim walks up to Horus, thinking, I've got this. Horus smashes him in the face with his mace, knocks him to the ground, and I'll never forget those words. He walks over and goes, I'll give you the chance that our father never did. Pick it up. And he looks over at his at Lorgar's mace. Go ahead. Pick it up. Strike me down. And he waits. And he just is subservient and gives up. Stands up and he goes, leave my sight. You are banished. I never want to see you again. If I see you again, I will kill you. And that was the last time Lorgar was part of the Horus Heresy. I don't think he was even like on. Was were they the word bearers on the Siege of Terror? I don't think they were. I don't think so. I think they no. already run off to like the Eye of Terror. Yep. He told him to beat town sand and leave. And he did. He did. <laughs> Horus embarrassed him, like humiliated him, just like his father humiliated him the first time. It was the exact same thing. And he's been meditating ever since. Yeah. As far as I know, he's been sitting in a room meditating over the Horus heresy and everything, and no one can get into his sanctum and talk to him. So the word bearers are just doing whatever they want with the chaos gods. They're just... The word bearers are just... They're going disturbers. They're just like... Yeah, but they're not like they don't do a lot. They're the stick that disturbs the snuggle. Yeah, but they then are really just like stinky and covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're just like you're like mm, I don't. Oh, There's I don't, something I don't about know. them. Hmm. They have a cool like, color scheme though. They do. I agree. They do have like, have a cool color scheme. The silver and red. I do like that. I've always liked it. A little kind bit of gold of mixed it. in, like just a touch, just a little touch. Is that a little world eater ish. I mean, Emperor Children are also gold. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah. Lorgar was the one that told Angron, just paint your armor red. Why not? During a fight, he's like, just paint your armor red. You're killing enough people and getting it bloody as it is. Just paint it red. Mm-hmm. Angron thought it was pretty funny. Next thing you know, they're all <laughs> painting their armor red. Didn't They also had a color change, though. They weren't. They didn't start off crimson. They went crimson. Yeah, they, they were actually... Chaos. Weren't they, like, bluish? No, they actually used to be... Uh, slate gray stone with uh, more gold trim and less silver. Mm. And then they changed the colors of their armor to show their allegiance and change to chaos, even when they were going in and 
preparing to betray the uh, ultramarines, some of them were speaking to him and saying, like, we had to make a change. We had to make sacrifices. This is a sacrifice, brother. What the hell are you talking about? Looks around. Why do all you guys have guns and we don't? <laughs> now, with the uh, word bearers, they have lettering yes. on their skin. Ah. Is it like constantly moving or it's not constantly moving actually the lettering that you see majority of the time is on Lorgar and uh, Erebus and I would s assume a lot of the other chaplains or that they are now dark mm -hmm. bosses and what those are is the Lecticio Divinitatis which is the book that Lorgar wrote written in the words of Colchis on their skin mm -hmm. so Basically, they say it's the word of the emperor, but now it's more like chaos symbols and markings. But originally, they took his book and wrote it on their skin. And I love the quote that Erebus says in the first ever book, which you'll get to at one point. <laughs> but he's talking to Loken, and he says, "What are the reasonings for the, like the markings on your skin?" Oh, well, these are the these are from the Lectitude of Antoxus, written in Colchis, and. On the battlefield, I must be an image of awe and majesty, and by wearing the words of the Emperor upon my very flesh, I will cow the Zeno, an unbeliever, before me. And Loken goes, unbeliever? Oh, a poor, cho a poor choice of words. Um, demagogue would be a better phrase. So right there, he had already let it slip that they were like into non-believers of the dark powers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Erebus is a he needs a whole episode unto himself. Is he the most hated character of, <laughs> of everything? Yes, and he's still alive. Still. I hate that fact. Even, even like, Lorgar didn't like Erebus either. He actually tried to have uh, Erebus killed a couple of times. <laughs> Lorgar was the one that told Karn <laughs> that he killed your best friend. <laughs> What I found really strange was when he broke down, like dur during the Isfan massacre, when everything was happening around him, Lorgar had a moment of weakness and he actually broke and was like, what am I doing? This is, we're, we're killing our own brothers. This is, why are we doing this? And Corfair on Erebus, they're going, no, man, you want it. This is a great idea. Come on, we got to keep going. No, this is wrong. And he strode into battle to find one of his brothers to kill him. He was going to commit suicide, let one of, like, either, I think it was Korax that he went and fought. Mm. And Korax almost killed him if Angron hadn't stepped in, or it might have been Curse. It was either Angron or Curse that stepped into that fight. Mm -hmm. But he was fully willing to just commit suicide in that moment of weakness, seeing what he did. And I don't remember what pulled him in closer. I've pretty, I think it might have been Corfairon just, like, doing more chaos whispering in his ear. But yeah, he was all over the place during the Horus Heresy just everywhere so it's like simul it's simultaneously his fault but then also he couldn't commit to it but then also hated his father like it also all stems from like the the whole like uh monarchia um incident which is pretty central to his uh character um where the emperor and gulliman just like make the entire word bearers oh. legion bow before them and like pledge to stop worshiping yeah. the emperor and then also watch their whole city of Manakia just get erased off the entire planet yeah yeah that's there's also, an animation of that yeah there is an animation of it it's it's a, it's a really sad moment for the word bearers because they if anything they were the most loyal legion of any legion that was with, like in all of the armies of the emperor they were the most loyal because they did look at him as a god and what he was trying to teach was a real thing once he turned his back on them embarrass them in front of all their people destroy monarchia embarrass them in front of the ultramarines the emperor forces him to kneel with his psychic might even pushing lorgar down to the ground that just shook him to his like core. a dog to yeah. like a, a puddle yeah, in uh, the in the first traitor or the, the first heretic, he like locks himself in his room for weeks, just weeks afterwards, still with the ashes of the city of Monarchia that he rubbed on his face and the tears down his eyes. He just he never washed himself for freaking days. And then Corfeon and Erebus come in and go, "Hey, Dad, let me get that dust off your face." By the way, if if, if Dad doesn't want your worship, we know some people that would love your worship. Yeah, like, a lot. Like a lot of beasts. Let, let's go check them out. They're pretty cool. 
Let's go. Um, so yeah, no, Lorgar is both uh, complicated and also lame. Both yeah. passable. Ah. Yeah. He, he just, a lot of stuff happened with him, but it wasn't anything significant that made a difference in the horse. But yet he is the pinnacle reason why there's a heresy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would make the argument that, like, a lot of the other ones also would have fallen. It was just like Lorgar was like it was, hell bent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not Lorgar it. was like diving into the deep end of the pool face first. He just sped it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we've talked about it before, like, a lot of the other Primarchs were already, like, disillusioned with the Emperor. Yeah, Lorgar's just the one that just, like, Lorgar topples Horus. That's really the, like, what he does. Yeah. Like, he you know, Fulgrim, Perturabo, Mortarian, Magnus, um, Kurs are already kind of just, like, ready to fall. Mm-hmm. But, like, Horus is the one that would never fall without, like... Oh, he's yeah. the one that, like tip the balancing into more chaos yeah yeah a lot yeah. of things had to fall into place for that to happen he planned that out for years like years and on that list too angron also hated the emperor but mm-hmm. yeah well that like, angron was easy that was just that was, anybody could have asked him <laughs> like you want to go kill dad fuck hell yeah i do i mean curse also would do that mortarian uh, Mortarian doesn't hate the Emperor. Mortarian more like hates. Oh no, he hates him. Oh, he no, no, him. but not 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 to be not to begin with though. Not to begin with, no. But he, yeah, he, he, I, I remember those words that when the Emperor killed the guy that he wanted to kill, he said, "I will never forgive you for this. I will never forgive you for taking that from me." But he still to- he tolerates him. Oh well, that uh, the Emperor stepped in and killed the guy that Mortarian was going to go kill and he said to him I will never forgive you for that never will I ever forgive you for that and he's held on to that he tolerates the emperor he understands the vision of the imperium but he's never going to have that connection with the emperor because of what he took from him in that moment hmm. but before we get to Martarian we have the man with the plan to make as many big, mistakes as he can big red himself <laughs> my least favorite you know okay oh. I like Magnus mm. pre Lehman yes. Rust. Like Magnus is like interesting and engaging. And like, I, I'm yeah. read, I've been reading the Crimson King forever now because it's so hard to get through. Um, but like Magnus, like, pr- like uh, Prospero is interesting. Like, uh, like the whole like thousand sons are like interesting what they're trying to do and like the way they like hold themselves up as a legion magnus is interesting when he's just kind of like the scholar yeah, and then the, the scholar like the edict of uh Nikea just like or as what, what we all know it really as the trial of magnus yeah and it's just like after that he just like never recovers well, no, is it like after he broke his back? No. See, what well, what the Council of Nikea was, or as we all more know it as the Trial of Magnus, there was a certain point in time where all the legions were allowed to use psychic powers. Mm-hmm. And these were potent abilities they could use to... And Magnus had fought for it. Yeah, Magnus fought for it. There was actually the Ultramarines, the White Scars, and there was uh, one more legion that stepped up, and they all agreed that... You don't put your best weapon down before a battle. You use it. And Magnus argued like what the great the story that he used to argue his point of view at this council because the whole council was enough. Primarchs had come forward and said that this is wrong. Psychic powers are too dangerous. We've seen horrible things, and you should ban them. Whereas half the other Primarchs were like, no, these are good things. We need them for like we understand how to use them. We use them for a reason. Mm-hmm. Magnus went up on a podium and said his piece about what psychic powers were. And he used the old story of cavemen living inside of a cave and they don't go outside of their cave for years and years. And all they have is the flickering flame in front of them. It's all they know. The shadows upon the walls are terrifying to them, but they stay by this flame for safety. A few of those cave people will travel into the darkness to search for food or find other things. And they leave themselves up out into the world and they see the sun they see the land and everything around them and this new knowledge and they run down to their former comrades to show them this new world 
and their comrades beat them to death and take their fire deeper into the cave for fear of the unknown and new things. Mm. And he basically said, you cannot treat this power like they would. It's an it's an unknown thing, but we have to study it more and look at mm -hmm. it more to understand what we can do with it, not be fearful of it and put it away. Yeah. And the two people that railed against him the most were Russ and Mortarian. That used psychic powers. No, they actually didn't. Well, well at the time, but... Well, <laughs> Russ well. doesn't... Yeah. Russ doesn't look at his... Guys, his psychic priest? powers <laughs> as psychic powers. Like, if you ask the wolf priests, yeah, the wolf priests are like, <laughs> no, no, we do not use the uh, the warp to, for our powers. We use the spirits of Fenris to use our powers. Like, no, no. So that's just it. It's like, how do you what's, define what's what magic again? is? Which one? What, what, what's the weird again? Uh, what, what, why are you throwing bones around? What are you? Yeah, what are you trying to get out of that? Why are you shooting lightning out of your hands? Oh, it's the, it's the spirits of the planet. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Are you on Fenris right now? <laughs> yeah, you're not on Fenris. And yeah, then, what spirits are you calling? <laughs> but Mortarian was the one that railed against it the most because he hated psychers. Because the people on his planet, the bad guys, were psychers. So he'd already experienced what they could do. And the stories he talked about the beasts that were unleashed upon them on specific planets they landed on sounded very similar to demons. But the argument that Magnus had was, well, Mortarian, look at the pistol that you carry, the lantern. That, by some standards, could be considered an evil weapon. It's not the weapon that is evil. It is the wielder of the weapon who chooses to use it in that way. Mm -hmm. Dropping some Jedi stuff right there. <laughs> but he tr he did try, and Magnus made a lot of good points, and so did the other Primarchs. And it's but... like, well, the Emperor is also magical, and yeah. but in the end, him? well, in the end, the Emperor made the decision that the Librarius of all the Legions would be disbanded. They would no longer be allowed to use their psychic powers, and they would be put back into the rank and file warriors like everybody else. The only individuals that would be permitted to use psychic powers were him. Malkador the Sigilite and the navigators that fly the ships. Not even Magnus. Not even Magnus. He forbid Magnus from using his psychic powers. His whole legion is all about psychic. Like their entire plan is about psychic stuff. You sit down at a cafe on Prospero and you just think, you don't even have to, you, they just come out and bring you what you want. So it's like depriving this, this being of its superpowers that's probably why he started to go a little mad, or he changed a lot because he wasn't able uh, to he use what he. Yeah, Magnus doesn't go mad. He more like tries Mom. to prove. He's like, Dad, you're wrong about me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's more like. Um, he still wants. He but he's also it. obsessed with that, isn't yeah. he? Oh yeah. So that's what I mean. Like he's kind of like he was possessed. engulfed in this, and then like was, yeah, it's like if you were to tell Superman to never fly, exactly. you can't fly. Because no and, one else can do it, so and, you cannot do it. Even though it, but it's can also somebody. Um, the emperor also lied to them all and said that like yeah. the warp is this like benign place with no intelligence in it. And Magnus <laughs> is like, no, there there are spirits. There are things within there. There's these great entities. And that's that's kind of weird because when they when Magnus was even before he was born, they communicated between him yeah. and the Emperor. Yeah, in, so in it's his like, test tube, he was able to communicate with the, temper, the Emperor psychically. Like, he knew the Emperor was coming to see him before, like... So why is the Emperor treating him like he's stupid? I think... Well, there's a lot I of mean, theories Magnus as is to stupid. why. <laughs> he's a little bit dumb. But the idea was that he was trying to protect Magnus. He'd already could see that his brothers were railing against him, and he had future plans for Magnus. The whole Golden Throne thing, that psychic beacon, the idea was for Magnus to use that throne. He was to be the one to sit in the throne and guide the entire Imperium. Not in a bad way, but a really good way. Because well, he was he was going to end up as like a corpse <clears throat> on the throne. At some point, more than likely. Yeah, I, like, um, that... Magnus gets a vision of like his own future on the throne and he is like the desiccated corpse that the emperor oh. ends up becoming yeah that's also part like this happens after he's already been broken by lehman russ but mm. he gets a vision of what the emperor like 
believed for him and like what his plan was and it's it's basically like you know that um classic artwork of like the emperor on the golden throne yeah it's him uh and he knows it because of like the eye patch exactly however the part that was hidden from him by the chaos gods was that if he had done that his soul would have been released it wouldn't be what the emperor is doing right now the emperor is sitting there fighting off the demons from coming through that portal day in and day out every day magnus would have been free to fly across the warp entirely and control so much for mm. how powerful he was but chaos works in a very crazy mysterious, mysterious kind of way they only yeah they, they only showed him half the yeah half the vision but it was of him like this like destroyed corpse on the golden throne now magnus has communicated with the emperor or the corpse emperor in that room uh yeah i think it actually is well i don't want to ruin the novel for you because you are reading the crimson king right now yes i have been trying to read the crimson king for six months now and it is just like brutal to get through so i don't want to ruin that because there's something i know about that that i you can ruin it right now magnus manages to get his way into the throne room and walk up the steps and raise his blade to strike down the emperor and he stops dead and actually starts to cry and have a moment of like, why? Like, I tried so hard for you and I tried to prove to you that these were not, these powers were not bad, but you betrayed me, you betrayed all of us. And he kind of has this monologue with the Emperor for a minute and then Vulcan shows up. Oh. Yeah, Vulcan just appears from out of nowhere and they have a back and forth about it. And for the first time they are having a conversation between brothers, not as traitor versus loyalist like even Vulcan was like this was nice to talk to you and Magnus leaves he doesn't strike down the emperor and he's a demon prince he's a demon prince like he's full on giant hecataph scat staff nipple horns yes nipple horns and everything <laughs> yeah you you may have convinced Laura to get through the book maybe <laughs> it's so I imagine so much of Aemon and Araman just whining. I know that's all they. All Araman does is whine and <laughs> piss and moan like a jerk. Like it's like like he's. I'm even at the part now. It's near the end where he's like back on like a, a, an older part of Terra, like um, before the heresy. And I'm like, that's those are normally interesting sequences. And I just like, it's like. Oh, anyone but Araman, come on. <laughs> so and the worst part is, like, early, again, early on, like Magnus, Araman is more interesting. And then it's just like, yeah. they all just become like, my dad's broken. Yeah, my dad's broken. Me. Gotta go out and find all the shards of him. Me. I'm upset. Yeah. Me. I got I'm gonna turn all my brothers. Me. In, I'm gonna turn my brothers into dust. Me. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's, that's right. It's Araman's fault that they're all dust. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the uh, if I remember what it was called, they called it the flesh change. That was what their uh, yeah, yeah. So the thousand suns, their defect for their gene seed was they just became chaos spawn, straight up chaos spawn, and they were put down a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Magnus stepped in and somehow somehow cured the disease. It's gone. not using magic, right? Oh, wink, wink, wink. No, wink. yeah, he figured it out himself didn't tell the rest of his sons that he actually made it packed with some entity inside the warp to figure out how to do this. Turned out it was Zinch. Zinch himself. Surprise, yeah. surprise. <laughs> yep. He even has a little bit of a showdown with Zinch and he actually thinks that he can defeat Zinch and he like breaks the little version of Zinch's neck and throws him aside and Zinch is like, eh, 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 see in a couple weeks. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Zinch has to protect his third favorite legion, so... <laughs> right oh my god and then there's the whole deal where he had to prove his dad wrong after all those yeah. things that happened after the council he decides you know it's a good idea I'm gonna psychically fly towards my dad's place and tell him what's going on mm-hmm. I think uh, something that we should touch on and say like you're gonna address this to someone who's listening yes. who's never really heard of Magnus but has most likely heard the saying, Magnus did nothing wrong. (laughs) Where did that come from? That actually came from what I was uh, just starting to get into. Uh, The moment that he decided to 
uh, Astral project his form into the Emperor's palace to tell Daddy Dearest Horus has become a traitor. So the Emperor had already declared the Edict of Nikea, and that was set in stone. Then later on, Magnus and his guys were still using psychic powers, but in secret. And Magnus was actually able to go into the warp, witness Erebus turning Horus to the dark side of chaos, and try to step in and stop it from happening. He failed, because Horus still saw Magnus as like, well, you're breaking Dad's rules too, so who am I to believe? I'm going to do my own thing. Because he failed that. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what happened. He's like, Horus, don't do this. You're breaking Dad's rules. I don't give a. I'm just gonna do whatever I want. I'm gonna go after Dad now. <laughs> so he gets out of this, and he's like, I, I, I have to do something. Let's send an app. Let's send a telepathic message to Terra. No, that's not fast enough. But I have to. I have to do this myself. So he gets a massive ritual together, and I think a couple of astropaths die for this to happen. But he astral projects himself across the warp and he's flying towards Terra as fast as he can to tell Dad, Horus has turned traitor against you. But he comes up against some kind of barrier, some kind of psychic barrier that is stopping him from entering into the palace and he can't get it, he's not powerful enough. And while he was flying over there, he could feel the presence of some form of entity within the warp following through, like almost like he described himself as flowing through the sea of souls and a large whale-shaped creature following behind him mm -hmm. as it cascading through the waves. And when he got to this barricade, a voice offered him a deal. I'll give you the power you need to break through this. At what price? Nothing. Simply to help. <laughs> Never for nothing. <laughs> what Magnus didn't realize was that by taking that offer from this entity who was Zinch... Yes, he got the power to break through that barricade. That's all Zinch wanted him to do. Because once he broke that barricade down, that was the yeah. psychic barricade the Emperor had erected over years of his own psychic power and different devices they had created around the, the throne to stop demons from coming into the warp. Because within Terra, there was literally a gateway into the warp. So when he opened that up, it allowed demons to flow through. And... Everyone says Magnus did nothing wrong because though he did that horrible thing, he was still trying to do a good thing. He was still, up until the end, he was still trying to do right by the Imperium. Mm -hmm. Right up until the end. Even when the wolves were coming to execute his legion, shadowed the entire planet, didn't let them know what was going on, he was resigned to his fate that I'm going to die because I did wrong. And the very end, he said yes to Sinch. So he did nothing wrong because he was still trying to act in the interest of the Imperium. No matter what happened, he still tried that. But in doing so, he opened the door for chaos mm -hmm. to get right into the sanctum of the Imperium. See, I always thought that he was told to do nothing and he did that wrong. He was told to do nothing and he did something, which he shouldn't have done. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, like like him pushing through to like tell the emperor like, "Hey, Horace turned traitor," is like the mistake. Yeah, the the worst part is the emperor already knew. Yeah, he knew he knew what was going on. He had found out through other means, and he just made things worse. Because then the emperor, because of what Magnus did, there's a reason why the emperor is not seen throughout the entire Horace heresy. Because if he could actually get up off that throne and leave, I'm pretty sure he would have spanked Horace back <laughs> into his crib. But he can't because he's using all of his psychic might to fight those demons off and hold them back from entering straight into terror and destroying the Imperium from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Anything else about Magnus? No. No, that's pretty much it. <laughs> In a nutshell? Just, yep. that, just that he's wrong all the time. Yep. Um, what else? Now we get back, to... Backbreaker, Sorcerer Planet, he's, he's somewhere out there. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the sad boy himself... Oh, Mortarian. Hot topic. Uh, Mortarian's not bald. He has a full length, uh, long black hair. <laughs> he has hair. He is not bald, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to put that out there right now. I think, I think we've got to make this into a three-part mini -series. I think so, yeah. Yeah. These two have a lot going on for their history and things they did in the Horus Heresy, so I, I, they definitely need an episode to themselves. I, I, I don't think we can do them justice mm -mm. without this being ridiculously long. 
Yeah. So you'll have to stay tuned again, folks. We're really <laughs> keeping you in suspense. I'm coming back for a third round, everybody. He's coming back, people. I love it. You guys are great. I love hanging out with you guys. Like this is a lot of fun just sitting back and talking about lore and just chit chatting. It's very chill. Like it's I love this. This is very relaxing. Some lore hammer for Blood God. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the meantime, I want to thank you all for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to Chaos Divided, both here and on Instagram and YouTube at Chaos Divided 40K. And do we want to announce, are we committing to our pre-shows? Let's, let's tell them in a couple of weeks. Ooh, we're keeping it in suspense. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, suspense even more suspense. <laughs> suspense on suspense. Well, in the meantime, you can find us both on social media at Nurgle underscore Snurgle and at Blushing Noise Marine. And until next time, bye bye. Bye for now. See everybody.